0: This show includes adult conversations around sometimes sensitive topics. Check the show notes at cxmhpodcast.com for trigger warnings. You're listening to the CXMH podcast with Robert Voer and Steve Austin. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health.
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. show. My name is Robert Moore Moore. and I am here. There's a weird echo in here.
2: Oh, excuse me. (laughs) Sorry. Excuse me. Excuse me. Am I supposed to? Where am I?
1: (laughs) That's all right. Hey, I'm joined by my co-host, who is also kind of my echoey shadow there, Mr. Gerrymander Flugelhorn. Gerrymander, how are you this day? Gerrymander.
2: Why do you even want to bring up anything closely related to politics right now? Do you know what's happening in Alabama?
1: Because it is a funny word, and I thought it paired with flugelhorn. If you want, we can talk about the flugelhorn instead. I don't even know what that is. Exactly. So, oh,
2: sure.
1: Steve, how are you? I We haven't talked on the show anyway. We talk all the time. Uh, we haven't talked on the show since – I think we did an intro for Zach Hoag's episode on September 25th, which means it was a little before that that we last spoke on the show.
2: Yes, sir. I was thinking it has been quite some time. Hello, friend, and hello, friends. I'm back. It's been a little while.
1: It has. What has been happening in your life since uh, September?
2: Uh, you know, just campaigning for Doug Jones for U.S. Senate. That's pretty <laughs> much all that matters to me right now. Amazing. I don't sweet know if we mother. really want to get into Rainbow. Probably not. Probably not. But That's just, right. hey, people, keep up, you know? Stay right. current.
1: That's all yeah, Okay. I'm sure by the time this airs, there'll be something else
2: terrible. Oh, sweet. It's yeah, it's we had a we've had this conversation before. Remember when we had the conversation of I wonder how much is going to happen between the time we record this intro and the time the episode actually goes live. That's been months I ago. I do.
1: Yeah. It yeah. hasn't slowed down. Here's so, what you know what I think is funny? Back in 2016, the big like running joke towards the end was like, god, can we make it out of this this year? <laughs> Turns out 2017 not going a whole lot better.
2: Yeah. Laughing stock of the world. I mean, Just, what the hell has gosh. happened? Yeah, so much. What so about much. your? Let's life? talk about happy. My life. Um. Yeah, you know it's <laughs> it's a little busy. It is. Uh, wow, wow. It's a little busy between. Oh, I don't even know where to begin. But it's good. It's all good. I'm still a husband and a daddy, and nice. um, you know, hosting the other podcast and. Uh writing and interpreting and doing a lot of photography here lately, lots and lots of photography, which is so much fun and, and yeah. fall is just so my favorite time of the year. So love to get out and do that. And um uh, that's about it. Yeah, that's about it. Nice. Have
1: you enjoyed the uh listening to the episodes recently that you haven't been on?
2: Yes, I have, sir.
1: I know you really enjoyed Mark Allen Shelsky. We talked a bit about that one. Oh,
2: man. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So good. I was really nervous about that because another friend of mine who is like an in real life friend of his recommended that I read the book and I kind of did the like smile and nod, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, sure. Christian's written a book on emotions. What? You know, but no. uh, Wow. Really great content. So thankful for that.
1: Absolutely. In fact, that brings me to a great point. We have signed copies of that book to give away. So I tell you what, we didn't talk about this ahead of time. If you, listener, have not rated this show yet, go rate the show on iTunes, Google Play, wherever. Leave a little review, take a screenshot, email it to cxmhpodcast at gmail.com, and the first one to get it in, will we'll send you a signed copy of The Wisdom of Your Heart by Mark Allen Shelsky.
2: Boom! Shaka laka, shaka laka, laka boom! I
1: love it when we have stuff to give away. Yeah. Yeah, and then we also talked to Kristen Konsevich again, which was great. So lots of good things since that, I guess. Yeah. Oh man,
2: I didn't share this on Twitter with you, so I'll share it with you now. Okay. Uh, someone <laughs> rated and reviewed Taco Bell. Uh, actually, just this uh, yesterday afternoon, <laughs> they gave them two stars. And uh, here's what he said. This was my first Taco Bell experience. Prior to my visit, I used to believe there was a God. But in eating this, it has stole away my faith in a higher benevolent being. Serving this stuff is just short of a war crime, and I will feel shame for eating this for the rest of my life. But uh, the staff were generally friendly. Can't fault them there. You're welcome. You wrote that. Nope, negative. Negative negative the person's name is uh, ian irving ian irving wrote that yeah oh,
1: there you go At, ian uh, irving Ir- uh, uh, if you happen yeah. to listen to this show send us an email i'll send you a book too he's he's
2: Actually, friends I might with not the- <laughs> i don't <laughs> he's friends with the pastards guys
1: uh, okay so, there you go amazing i did one time see a review of a wendy's on i think it was google maps you know a little review wendy's. of a wendy's popped up and it said we said, one star. This is the worst McDonald's I've ever been to. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, since we last spoke on the show, I gave you some good news. (gasps) We, have you not talked about this yet? No, I don't talk about anything in the intros when you're not here because it's Robert.
2: Oh, man. Go ahead. Tell it. Hang on. I'll do a drum roll. I
1: am going (laughs) to have a baby. My wife and I are expecting our very first child uh, in April. So. This is really
2: me, buddy, not you. I'm going to be an uncle, people. Yeah, Uncle Steve.
1: So pretty excited about that.
2: Oh, it's so exciting.
1: Yeah. This episode, we talk with Gabe Howard. Uh, you might remember him from our episode on bipolar disorder. He was one of the guests on that. He's the host of the Psych Central podcast, as well as being an author and a blogger and a speaker and all sorts of stuff like that. We talk with him about violence and mental health Uh, obviously has been in the news recently with several prominent people linking the two saying that you know gun violence is a, a mental health issue and things like that so we get in to it with him some about that. Real quick heads up: we kind of stuff We started having a conversation while we were waiting for someone, and then it didn't work out. So we don't have our you know standard like big welcome intro thing. So we're just kind of roll with it because what we were saying was already good. So
2: yes, but a huge shout out and a huge thank you to Gabe Howard. For yeah, absolutely.
1: Real. Hey, here is our episode with Gabe Howard.
2: We were having this conversation yesterday, and I said, you know. Uh, Mental health and violence, really, there's not a connection there. That's, as Robert says, that's such a myth. And um, he was like, man, that's news to me because every time you hear about these shootings, um, mental health is thrown
3: around. Of course, some people with mental illness will become violent. But, uh, you know, the example that I always use is that, you know, some wives will become violent. Some husbands will become violent. We, We don't try to outlaw marriage, and we certainly don't blame all violence on marriage. Yeah, we have yeah. we have violent examples of everything from from this is a faith-based show we have examples of pastors who have abused their power and and been violent that doesn't make pastors bad we right. have teachers that have abused their power and become we're, we're not trying to blame all violence on pastors teachers marriage but for some mm-hmm. reason we get over to mental illness and we're like ah it's all them mm-hmm. no it's not yep, lock it. them up
2: stop. This. Well, and that's what Wait. that's one of the great things that Andre said to he said, you know, I want to talk about the ways that we dehumanize people when we do this kind of thing. So um, so Andre's black and is very, 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 very passionate about social justice and racism. And he said, right. you know, we have a, a shooting and it's a, a shooting by a black man. And we say, oh, he's just a thug. Oh, he's just a gangbanger. And the conversation is over. We have a white guy who shoots up a theater or a church or a school, and we say, oh, he's a very deranged person, uh, and, and he's crazy. End of conversation. And we drop it there. We dehumanize them with these labels, and then that's it. And we don't have the conversation that's really important to have underneath that. So, um, well, And
3: there's a couple of – and, and, and he one, yes, everything that he just said is true, but it's also a little more sinister than that sometimes as well. Because in the cases of minorities, we look for reasons to blame them, and in the case of white males, we look for reasons to not blame them.
2: Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Because
3: the secondary conversation always becomes, "Well, he was abused as a child. Well, he had a rough upbringing. Oh, his father was a veteran. Oh, he was a veteran." Notice whenever it's a, a, a minority, uh, it, it like you said, it, it's we never look for reasons that 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 humanize them at all. Yeah. We never talk about their childhood, their upbringing, their service, anything that they did good in the community. We don't focus on that. We focus on anything that we did or not anything that they did poorly. Yeah. And, you know, my best example is always Trayvon Martin. This was a kid. We, we found a picture of a kid. He had his hoodie on. He looked all tough and and he was making, you know, guns with his fingers. That didn't say thug to me. Yeah. That that said Immature. That said, child, that said the way that I acted when I was 14. But the media just published that picture. Really?
0: Right.
3: We, we, we couldn't find a single picture of him hugging his mom. And of course, the answer is we could. We went yeah. looking for a bad picture. Hmm. Yeah. And we don't do that in the case of white male shooters. We go looking for pictures where they are hugging their mom because we just desperately want to believe that white people are good and black people are terrorists. And that's just ridiculous. Ridiculous yeah ridiculous. talk about mental illness that kind of thinking is
0: mentally
1: ill Mm. (laughs) yeah I can say it's one of those things that like once you see it you can't really unsee it because even the headlines you know the Las Vegas shooter there was you know some headline it was like you know Las Vegas shooter was country music fan and something else and I was like what what are we focusing on here like this guy gets hobbies listed as his like main things instead of you know is a gang member, has been, you know, altercations at school or whatever. This guy gets his hobbies listed. Like, what
3: kind of, you know... He was a complicated man that loved his mom. Yeah, Yeah. and then killed 500 people, or, you know, injured 500 people and killed scores more. Yeah. And the... The whole, it's fascinating to me that, that anything becomes mental illness. We, we've got the case of a 65-year-old guy that really showed no sign, or 64-year-old man that showed no signs of mental illness previously and then shot up a bunch of people. And we decided to go, we being society, decided to go the mental illness ra- route. And this shows you that the, this is base, under, base misunderstanding of how mental illness works, because really it's much more likely that he had, if we're, if we're looking for a, a, a brain connection, that he had early onset dementia, Alzheimer's, a traumatic brain injury. It is very unlikely to develop mental illness at 64. Most people right. don't wake up and, and, and after a, a perfectly lived life, all of a sudden have schizophrenia at 64. It just doesn't work that way. Mental illness, you know, it, 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 it starts to come out very early in life, you know, 16 to 24 is its onset. This is a 64-year-old man with no symptomology beforehand. If they, if they wanted to make excuses for him, they should have said he had Alzheimer's. But that just shows you that they're just, they just want the word mental illness in there so bad that they were willing to diagnose a 64-year-old with the first symptoms of mental illness ever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just, that doesn't make sense.
1: Well, I think part of it, I think there's an interesting conversation to be had about about the use of the term mental illness because, you know, if you think about diagnosable, but then I've had friends say, you know, because I've said, you know, some many of these same things, they've said, well, to do something like this, you would have to be mentally, you know, you you can't be completely healthy and do something like this. So they're using this as a symptom, as a diagnosis marker of like, well, to do something like this, you would have to be, you know, out of your mind or whatever it is. So it's a, a different perception of maybe what the where the line is, John, you know,
3: and that's a fascinating statement to me as well, because this would imply that all soldiers are mentally ill because it, it, you know, it's a soldier's job to kill people. I mean, it's not their only job. I don't I'm not trying to, you know, insult the U.S. military here. Please don't hear it that way. But but one of the jobs when you sign up is, look, you need to kill enemy combatants. So does that mean they're all mentally ill? I mean, they, they are killing people. But of course, we say no, because they have a reason. We've decided that their reason for doing so is good, therefore not mentally ill. Well, but we don't know what this guy's reason was. And in his mind, it may well be good. Maybe he did it for money. Maybe he did it for fame. Maybe he did it for power or control. These are not indicators of mental illness. These are actually indicators of you know a very self-serving person. And you say, well, but a normal people wouldn't, a normal person wouldn't kill people. But that's not true. We have lots of examples in our society of very normal people killing people.
2: Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Normal people who snap for, for a moment or a few
3: moments well, and right. do something so, and that's unthinkable. The other thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm very glad you said that. There is there is a difference between, you know, severe and persistent mental illness, which is like what I live with, with bipolar disorder and, and you know, others, um, and, you know, a momentary mental health issue. And, of course, the, the example that I always use is the difference between living with, you know, like, cancer or having the flu. Both cancer and the flu are both physical illness, but one is momentary, and, and one is not. Uh, um, you know, one is one is a lifetime illness. And um, that flu feels
2: terrible for a week, but... Well, yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, it's not
3: cancer for years or whatever. Right, but yeah. so you're your prognosis is good uh, yeah. and it, it's not something that you have to manage for your entire life. And most people don't die from the flu, but as I've pointed out, some people do. It is yeah. very rare to die from the flu, uh, but it is possible the flu can turn into pneumonia and pneumonia and, you know, especially in older people or younger people or people that are already in poor health. So to take the analogy to its, you know, its conclusion, people with absolutely no mental illness can have a mental health issue that leads to this. But let's put all that away for a second This is my favorite part And this is where people always get mad at me Let's pretend that all violence Is in fact caused by mental illness I will agree to it Every mentally Ill, All violence All mentally ill people All the time This is now a fact I'm on board I believe you How come we're not better funded You've just determined You being society Has just determined that all violence Is caused by the mentally ill We should have unlimited money all we have to do is fully fund the mental health system and all violence will end. Why are we begging for money in the streets? Our show should be canceled because it should be done on such a high level. I mean, shows like ours should only be in prime time because this is going to end all violence. Wow. Yeah. I, I don't get it. Why do we not have we should have entire hospitals every block just treating the mental illness issue because now we've just solved the violence problem. There is no more violence. We can get rid of police officers. I mean, this is going to be such a cost. So the people saying it don't even believe it. Otherwise, the mental health right. system in every single county across America would just be dripping with cash, wow. not right. having their budgets slashed.
1: Yeah. And I think that's an interesting. Because obviously, you know, you're using it there as like this kind of uh, example, but, you know, the research suggests that mental health isn't the biggest factor in violence or even these mass shootings or anything like that, right? There's other factors that are more likely to be indicative of of future violence are, you know, being young, single, working class, male or substance abuse or let's see a history in uh, domestic violence or uh, I'm actually reading this off an article having less than a high school education, any history of violence, juvenile detention, perception of hidden threats of others being divorced or separated in the past year, right? There's all sorts of things that are bigger yep. risks. But yeah. if
3: loneliness, and I, desperation, yeah. Yeah.
1: But I think what you said right there of the people saying it don't even believe it is so like I think that's the part that I've been so fired up about recently because. I, and I even sent a tweet out about this, I think, like kind of right after, you know, the big public statements about this is a mental health issue. If you really believed that, then you wouldn't have been voting to take away mental health coverage, you know, 50 times in the last four years. Like, let's be honest right. about it. And that's an actual number, you know? So like, you're just trying to deflect away from a thing that you don't actually want to talk about. And in doing so, you're scapegoating an entire group of people, you know, one fourth of adults in the United States that Deal with a mental health issue sometime in the past year,
3: and that's of course what's so sad is right. that we're, we're scapegoating a group of people that that one don't have a lot of resources anyways. You, you, you know, I mean, I'm doing okay, but I, I'm not. It, when it comes to the severely mentally ill, I am atypical, um, and the reason I'm atypical is because, you, you know, I, I had good resources up front, and the reason I had good resources when I was first diagnosed isn't because of decisions that I made. It's because I was I was born into a family that, you know, made decisions that helped me along the way before I was even born. You know, my mom and dad are still married. Um, they, they were able to take time off to help me. They, they had money to, you know, help me pay for doctors. I had good insurance because, you know, I, I had a good education. This, this isn't stuff that I earned. This is stuff that I was handed. Um, right. I'm glad I was handed. It, it makes my parents great people. But the reason that I'm well is not because I earned it. It's because I had good parents and I had right. insurance and it, I, I'm glad I, I'm not trying to give those things back, but there are many people that could live just as well as me if they too had a good support system and health insurance. And it makes me sad that they don't have good health insurance, so they can't see doctors and it, you, you know their their families have given up on them, so they don't have good support systems and that makes me realize that i am both incredibly lucky and the world is incredibly unfair. Yeah.
1: So also,
3: let's bring let's bring our dear old
2: friend Pat Robertson into the conversation. And um for those of you who aren't familiar Pat Robertson um is has a talk show, The 700 Club, on the Christian Broadcasting Network. He's a televangelist. I believe he ran for president a million years ago. And on his show on Monday, here is what he said. There's got to be a thorough investigation into the effect of antidepressants there have been so many of these mass killings and almost everyone as i've said before has had some nexus to antidepressants so we have to see what we are giving people go ahead respond either one of you
1: (laughs) so this is the part i texted you before and i warned you that i was fired up this morning i just i'm so frustrated with this because if you okay I'm going to say this in like the least insulting way because I'm not trying to like attack anybody. That's fine. If if I if I came on this show and said, "Hey, guys, the the sky is purple." You would say either you're lying, you're delusional, or you haven't looked into it. Like you haven't done any kind of preliminary research into that statement. And so when Pat Robertson comes on your show and says things like this and there's no scientific basis, in fact there's scientific basis for the opposite that there's no link or that we don't see a link so far in, in in any kind of antidepressants and violence that we don't see any increase in those type of things. I, I I'm I'm going to err on the side of you know not attacking anybody. I don't assume he's lying and I don't assume that he's delusional. But I I have to assume that he's done literally no looking into this whatsoever. That maybe somebody said this to him and he just went with it and he hasn't asked anybody. He hasn't gone and looked at any science. He hasn't talked to anybody who would actually know. And that's extremely upsetting because, you know, the 700 Club has however many hundreds of thousands of viewers who are then going to take that and use that information to influence other people in their lives, you know, say, oh, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't get treatment for this or that. And it has this ripple effect of... Yeah. A bunch of people avoiding treatment. Pastors
2: that, of these smaller churches that watch his show and know no better and then pass that information on to their churches. Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah. Or people's parents or people's uh, aunts and uncles or grandparents or I guess I'm assuming that mostly old people watch this show. But, you know, <laughs> Gee, just, I wonder why. You, know, you say, hey, <laughs> I'm I'm you know, I'm considering seeing a psychiatrist and someone goes, oh, uh, I've heard, you know, and then you don't Go do it. And it's, I mean, it, it impacts the entire culture that we have around mental health treatment around people getting the medication they need to, to function the way that that they want to and that they should and that we would say, hey, you deserve to be happy and healthy and whole. You know, it just has this ridiculous impact, whether we think it impacts the whole culture or not. It, it does, you know. And so it's statements like these that are based in nothing are so frustrating. And that's, you know, a, a, the, the comment that I had about it was, you know, there are enough barriers to treatment, to mental health treatment in the United States, right? People can't afford it. And there's not enough professionals. And, you know, there's enough barriers to treatment that we don't need to be making new ones up out of thin air.
3: The, the, there's, there's many, many things to unpack here. But, but here's what I'm going to say. First of all, correlation doesn't equal causation. For example, a lot of people die in hospitals. The conclusion is not hospitals are dangerous. You know, that that's that's the thing that really gets me. And if we let's take his statement and and replace some words, let's pull out the part where he said, you know, we need to look into antidepressants and replace that with white males. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's like, that's a ridiculous statement. We don't need to look into white males. What are you talking about? That's that's not true that, you you know, there's there's millions of white males on the planet. We've got a couple of people that have that have misbehaved. I'm going to go with misbehaved. Uh, (laughs) People would reject that immediately. But you change that. To certain words, uh, in, in some cases, you know, you, you change that to uh, an African-American male, and people are like, oh, we should investigate that. No, you shouldn't. Mm. Uh, yeah. We change that to antidepressant. Oh, we should look into that. Yeah, no, you shouldn't. There are a lot of people on antidepressants, and given the number of people who take antidepressants, which I think at last count was almost 38% of America, we don't have 38% of America causing violence. Wow. Right. So, therefore... Uh, you, you know we we've got some problems here and and please viewers i am I'm, I'm kind of pulling that that stat out of my hip i I don't know the exact number but but it's very high it's it, it's significantly higher than the few mass shootings that, that we had this month uh, you, you know to, to, to weigh them out now a few mass shootings is too much and there Man. you go how come he didn't replace the word antidepressant which with we need to look into this violence? We need to look into why we, as a society, have accepted this level of violence. We need to look into the gun control issue. Again, it's not a slam on guns. Uh, I, I'm not anti-gun in any way, but could we be doing better? Yeah. You know, if all of I've a said sudden, it a before, I'm
2: anti-desperate cars, people with guns. You yeah. know. <laughs>
3: uh, and of course, the last thing is I, I've said this before, and I'll say it again. If it's really all the depressed people causing the problem, why don't we have better funding to help depressed people? Yeah. Let's let's just let's just call a spade a spade. This is a man with lots of power and influence. Has he has he galvanized his base to go out and volunteer in homeless shelters? No. Is he asking people to donate? Now again, this is a this is a bipartisan statement. I am not for or against Donald Trump. I'm merely talking about politics. I want to make that very clear so that all the Trump supporters don't hate me and all the all the you know, the, the Democrats thing. I just I, I'm talking about policy and policy only. I always make this very, very clear. Here's what we know. We're trying to get rid of the Affordable Care Act. We're trying to get rid of Medicaid expansion. Both of these things provide needed health insurance to people with mental illness. People with mental illness with resources get better. And therefore, a- according to popular culture, won't be desperate and won't cause crime. We are cutting those things as Americans therefore making more desperate people with less resources get sicker and therefore, according to popular culture, increasing violence. Let's start there. Wow. Right. Which isn't
1: even, there's, there isn't even statistically true, but if it were true, we're going the wrong way anyway, is, is kind of the point yeah, you're making,
3: right? That, yeah. that, that's, I, I'm, I'm so glad that you said that it, it, it's not true. Do people with mental illness, uh, cause some violence absolutely but not the majority not in in huge these huge numbers and and again the media will do anything to link mental illness we had a gentleman with autism and all of a sudden that became mental illness autism is not on the mental illness spectrum it's on the developmental disability spectrum but it wouldn't make a good headline to attack developmentally disabled people so they put it over on mental illness because everybody's okay attacking us but Look, you can't change the definitions of words. You you can't move diagnoses around. You can't. We have to look at things for what they are. Did somebody with mental illness commit violence? Absolutely. Unequivocally, for sure. Is this a majority? No. Is, is, this, is this going to happen to all of us? No. I live with mental illness. Never been violent. I've been the victim of a violent crime. Um, th- th- small. I, I shouldn't. Let me apologize. I have been the victim of violence, low level violence, but it, it's scary. Depressed people don't have the ability to fight back. Yeah. Because, you know, we're depressed.
2: Well, and uh, these statements are coming from, you know, the same kind of person who would say because there was a gay man once who once molested a child. All gay people are child molesters, right? That's, it's that thinking. It's that sort of, we're gonna lump it all into one basket and say, because this occurred one time, therefore this is, this is the rule. But it's like, so, our friend Andre Henry, who couldn't be on the, Conver- in the conversation today uh, is the new managing editor at Relevant Magazine and he and I were talking yesterday and I said to him I made the statement that mental health in fact rarely equals violence okay so he emailed me back so let's continue it this way let's I want to I'm going to I just want to add a little bit to this because I think there are other faith leaders like Andre who have these same questions so here's what he emailed me back he said the statement, mental health in fact rarely equals violence, stands out to me because I couldn't have confidently said that because I know so little about mental health. Right? Okay, that's such a great place to start. When people say, you know what, I, just, I don't know enough. Oh my God, thank you for admitting that. That's so awesome. What a great place for us to start. So he said... Uh, this is from Andre. Talk to people like me, who are hearing that word being thrown around every time there's a mass shooting. How do you, as someone who knows a lot about this topic, feel about the way we talk about mental illness post mass shooting? What needs to change? What are the pieces we're missing in the conversation? So that's the whole thing we're talking about today.
1: Yeah, I th- well, I th- think th- it goes back.
3: Stop saying stupid stuff. Mm. <laughs> I, mean, I I'm not trying to be mean, but yeah, if you hear something enough, it becomes true. Uh, if, if every time there's a mass shooting, we say, oh my God, something has to be done about pancakes, eventually a large portion of the population will believe that pancakes are evil. And mm. why wouldn't they? Mm. Um, y- y- you know, we've got the president of the United States, we, we've got our leaders um, from, from senators, presidents, um, you know, governors, mayor, telling us. They're they're telling us that this is the cause, and we're supposed to tell all them that they're wrong. They are wrong, but I can't get mad at people for believing them. I mean, why on earth would the President of the United States lie to people? But this is our reality. The President of the United States is is either lying outright, he knows this isn't it, and he's saying it anyways, or he he hasn't done his research, and he's giving the, the populace misinformation, and they're reacting to that misinformation both of them are equally dangerous one is just more malicious
1: yeah the uh, i'm looking at a thing here you know persons with mental health diagnosis commit only four to five percent of all violent acts nationwide right which isn't any higher than any other group of person you know in fact and uh gabe referenced it there people suffering from severe mental illnesses are much more likely to be the victims of violent crimes than perpetrators right those rates are way higher and so i think it does come back to some level of education and some level of people who are leaders who are willing to get that kind of education to do a a google search i mean this steve you and i did like 30 minutes of research yesterday and came up with a lot of this stuff who are willing to stand up and say hey that is not true you know whether you're on a tv show or you're a politician or whatever to stand up and say hey that's not true can we have a conversation about this because, like you're saying, if our leaders are giving the wrong information, we can only do so much. Three guys on a podcast, right? So we need people who are willing to learn and then to have public conversations that are in a big enough space that people will hear it and listen.
3: Yeah, you know that's, that's what's sad about this. Um, you know, let's let's say that you're 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 John Q. Public. Um, you're just you're just a regular person, and you and you're hearing conflicting information. Um, The three guys on the podcast are saying, look, this is not true. And the president of the United States is saying, yes, it is. Now, you're just John Q. public and you have to decide who to believe. You you know, that's a really tough one. I I would like to live in a society where, you know, three people that have a podcast uh, are not the authorities on on subjects over (laughs) our elected officials. I would like to hold our elected officials to significantly higher standards. Um, but the reality is, is they are wrong. Uh, we can prove what we're saying. The facts do not align the way that, that you know, certain political figures are, are trying to say that they do. And that makes me very sad because I can't necessarily get mad at the public for choosing to believe elected officials over, uh, you, you know, three guys on a podcast. I, I, I'm sorry. I, I love all of us very much. But <laughs> who who is our certifying body? Well, what Who watches over us? Who... You know, we, we've we just chosen to do our research. And I'd still like to say we could be wrong, too. Yeah. Frankly, everybody that listens to us should should, you know, look at our sources. Like you said, do some Google searches. Use our podcast as a use this show as a place to start uh, and then and then form your own opinions based on the research is available because, hey, maybe we've come up with the wrong opinion. Yeah. I've been wrong before and I will no doubt be wrong again but I understand why the public is just not believing us. They're afraid and people in power and authority who have been hired to lead us have given us this reason. That's, that's what's saddest of all. And as you pointed out, we have religious leaders telling us too. So we can't listen to our political leaders. We can't listen to our religious leaders. I mean, my God, who's left? Like, like, should we, what just like, I don't know. I mean, who, who do we have? Like, who should we follow? Like, yeah. is Howard Stern on the air? I mean, I guess we could follow him, but man, <laughs> that's, that's problematic as well. So we're just, just—we're just, this is just a mess. There's just nobody that we can reliably follow. So now we're stuck doing all the research by ourselves, and none of us have time. Yeah. We can't possibly research every single social problem that we have. So we're just screwed. I, I mean, I, can I say screwed on your show? Oh, sure. yeah. yeah. We've said much yeah.
2: worse, trust me.
1: Uh, so I think you said something interesting there about not being able to trust anyone, but I think that is one of the reasons why I think that I t- I tried to take the approach and I know that a lot of us do of instead of just you know, getting in these fights of calling out someone so for being wrong and attacking them, how do we, theoretically, if I knew Pat Robertson, how could I call him up and say, hey, can we have this conversation? can we work together to move forward in this conversation? because when it comes to just fighting, you know, that guy's wrong, that guy's wrong, people, Especially, you know, the research shows if you challenge somebody's political beliefs or their religious beliefs, they get defensive, even if you provide them with evidence. So how do we make it instead of a fight? How do we make it, you know, us working with people in places of power to move forward?
3: Well, that's the and whole I did a problem. Whole thing. Yeah, that's the whole. I keep interrupting you. Like, I feel bad. <laughs> Go ahead. I, I forget I'm not the only one on the show. I'll, I'll be quiet now.
2: No, you're good. I, uh, we're probably going to say the same thing. I think that's the whole problem with our entire culture. It's the problem with politics. We are – the right is going further to the right. The left is going further to the left. No one is coming to the middle and saying – Hey, I'm going to look you in the eyes. I'm going to shake your hand even if I completely disagree with you. I'm going to respect you as a human being. I'm going to show you just basic common human decency and let us sit down at the table and have some coffee or have a beer and have a conversation. We're we're not do we're yelling at each other. We're throwing tomatoes. We're sh- but we're not. We're we're going further apart, I think, than even considering coming together. And bridging the gap
3: that's very true as well and I I did a whole presentation uh, for a long time it was called uh, educate don't instigate and the whole thing was I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times when people say things that we don't like we instigate a fight and we need to avoid that we need as the educators we need to be aware of, of buzzwords of, of things that 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 make people dig in their heels and not want to agree with you just because well you know frankly they hate you um, so I believe in an educational approach Um, The other phrase that that I say to myself a gajillion Times a day and uh, and, and I know that that's not really a word but it should be Because that's how often that I do it is that Disagreement does not equal disrespect That's exactly right I disagree with my wife all the time And my wife is the greatest person in the entire world And I mean that sincerely But she is wrong about a lot of stuff This does not change My respect for her one iota and the, the reverse is also true. Obviously, if I think she's wrong, then she thinks I'm wrong. So she's wandering around saying, man, my husband is wrong about a lot of stuff. But her respect for me has not changed one iota. So if, if you, you know, you, you, we just have to behave that way. Uh, just because somebody disagrees with you does not mean they disrespect you. It does not mean that they hate you. And it does not mean, uh, and this is a big one, it does not mean that they are your enemy. Um, And we just we just have such a hard time with that concept. Uh, We kind of want everybody to think exactly like us, which, man, would just make the world so awful. Uh, Just so awful. Uh, It would be so boring. I I don't want everybody to be Gabe. I'd have nobody to talk to because all of us would just be talking all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Just be so loud. If we have a moment, there's a, there's a couple of points that are just basically one big point that I would, I would like to bring up to kind of tie this together. Yeah, absolutely. In our society, we have a tendency to look for the cause. And the key word there being the, the truth of the matter is, is we're not looking for single causes. We're looking for multiple causes. Uh, it's it's possible that mental illness was a factor uh, in, in some of these cases. It's just not the only factor. And we do a great job of saying, hey, this person was X and therefore that's why this happened. The truth of the matter is, is the reason that a lot of this is happening is because of X, Y, Z, one, two, three. It's because of stuff that happened to this person in their childhood. It's because of of, of systematic failures over dozens of years in some cases. Um, It's because of lots of little things, lots of major things, lots of culture problems, lots of issues. It's a huge problem that has many, many, many causes. And right now, the biggest failure of everyone, I believe, is that we're looking for single causes. It's mm. not a single cause. this is This is a multi-level failure that is that is just it's gaining momentum because we're trying to solve it with simple answers. The problem is complex, therefore, the yeah. solution will be complex as well.
1: Yeah, I think that's applicable to almost every area, you know, when we talk about just because suicide prevention is kind of an area that I do a lot of conversation. You know, people say, oh, what, you know, what caused this person's suicide, death or anything like that? And they try to pinpoint a thing and it's always, hey, it's a plethora of things, you know. So I think that's such a good point in every area of modern life.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it'd be great if it was only one thing because one thing is easier to fix than it doesn't. But it's 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 not one thing. I mean, it's, it, you know, I've I said a million times, I wish that all violence was caused by mental illness because then it would be so easy to resolve. I mean, for real, just lock us all up and call it a day um, yeah. because after all, we're all violent, but it, it's not true. It, it's just simply not true. And anybody that thought about it for more than a nanosecond would realize, wait, it, it, it's not possible that every single murderer in prison is also mentally ill. I mean, really? Just that that's, that that's what you think is happening. Just just think about that for a moment. Every single murderer that's ever stood trial is mentally ill. Well, no, that doesn't make sense. That falls apart immediately. Every single Nazi mentally ill. Every single enemy combatant mentally ill. I mean, come on. It just it breaks down immediately. And uh, even I am simplifying it in this discussion because it, it's it's way more complex than the words that that even we are using. Um, I'm just trying to wrap my head around the idea that, hey, it's not my fault and we can't blame people because somebody who was kind of like us did something wrong. Uh, that's just, that's just stupid. I mean, man, if a podcaster ever goes crazy, all of us are in trouble. (laughs) Yeah,
2: (laughs) this is good stuff, Gabe. Thank you so much for being on where, tell us where people can best connect with you.
3: So the the first thing I want to tell people is you should go to psychcentral.com slash show and listen to my podcast. It's not as cool as this one. Uh, it, it is way educational. It's the best 20 minutes that you'll spend if you want to learn about topics like mental health and psychology. And it's really conversational. You get to hear from me, you get to hear from my co-host Vincent M. Wales. And uh, we have cool guests. Sometimes we talk about things. It's just it really is designed to take high level mental health and psychology concepts and break them down in layman's terms so that you can leave with a little more information than you started and we get you out in 20 minutes. So, I mean, that's the best part right there. And you'll laugh a couple of times. Ben usually gets in one good jab. (laughs) The place to find me, uh, Gabe Howard, all by my lonesome, is uh, GabeHoward.com. You know, that obviously makes sense. It's my name with a dot com behind it. Uh, go there. You can find my Facebook page. You can find my blog. You can find links to stuff. And, you know, I did stuff. There's like a brag wall. I mean, that's mandatory. And, uh, of course, it's also got my email address. And, and yeah, so GabeHoward.com is where you find Gabe. PsychCentral.com slash show is where you find my podcast.
2: Awesome. Thank you so, so much for hanging out with us today. Look, people, if you haven't heard anything else from this conversation, let's wrap it up right here. People with mental health are typically not violent. People with mental health are typically not unstable. You probably know someone with a mental health problem and don't even realize it because so many of us are highly active, productive members of our communities, our churches, we're involved, and you should get to know us because we're really cool and we're lots of fun. So thanks for hanging out. Robert, (laughs) any final thoughts? No, uh, I mean, I
1: think this has been great. Thank you to Gabe. I would second the recommendation for his show. I know that, you know, you take his with a grain of salt because it's his show, but I'll recommend it as well. He does. They do a great job of in 20 minutes having a great conversation that is understandable around a variety of topics. So go check that out. Connect with him on Twitter and all sorts of stuff. You know where to find me and Steve. So do that if you want. Boom.
3: I recommend this show as well. The one that you're listening to, it's great. <laughs> you should awesome. listen next week and download all the previous episodes to give them a boost in the ratings.
1: In fact, there was a pretty good one on uh, bipolar disorder a while back. There yeah, we talked with some guy there. One, so. yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, I liked that guy a lot. Like He was very knowledgeable. He reminded me of a younger me. A younger me. That's so awesome. Oh,
2: good deal, Gabe. Thank you so much.
0: You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the CXMH Podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH Podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMHpodcast at gmail.com. A final note. If you're in a dark place today, struggling with suicidal thoughts, you are not alone. Professional help is available 24-7 at 1-800-273-8255.